Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And so uh, Luke chapter 10, we'll begin reading in verse 38. And the word of the Lord reads this way. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And he had a, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went to him, up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the life-giving word of the Lord. The missionary and, and, and preacher Paul Washer once said, one of the greatest attacks of the enemy is to make you busy, to make you hurried, to make you noisy, to make you distracted, and to fill the people of God and the church of God with so much noise and activity that there's no room for prayer. There's no room for being alone with God. There's no room for silence. There's no room for meditation. And I believe that this is the truth. I mean, if there's an adjective that we can use to describe people today and in, in the world around us today, the adjective distracted would be, would be a good choice, right? In fact, that's your first fill in on your notes. Is we are very distracted. All of our lives are filled with so much activity and, some, and so much stuff. Our lives are filled with so many hobbies and interests and worries and gadgets and random things. And we're continually living in a state of, of, of distraction. And when I say we, I mean we. That means me too, right? We're distracted in almost every conceivable way. We're distracted at home. When we're at home, we're thinking about work or school or paying the bills or what's for dinner and who's going to switch over the laundry, right? I'm going to get one of my kids to practice. Well, how am I going to get them to practice while the other one needs help with their science project? I hope I have time to go to the Chamber of Commerce meeting. I hope my kids don't delete all my shows off the DVR before I can watch them, right? Oh, I almost forgot. I got to go family dollar. I got to pick up all those things for that crafty thing we're doing next week. Not to mention the bathroom faucets leaking. Right? We're distracted at home, and we're distracted within our family time too. Right? A whole family can sit at a dinner table or, or sit in the living room for hours on end right? without even saying a word to each other. Why? Because everyone's locked into their own little cyber world on their little handheld screen. Family time might as well be considered alone time for many people because we're distracted by the technology and the gadgets we have. We're also distracted at work. I mean, we're supposed to be at work making a living, doing the things that we're supposed to do. We're getting paid for and our minds are elsewhere. We're thinking about money and we're worried about our kids because we never talk because they're all caught up in technology. We're worried about the leaky roof. We're worried about fantasy football picks that didn't really turn out the way we wanted to them last week, right? We're, we're worried about the news, like who's running for office, right? Who's in conflict with who, right? What activist group is doing what to some other activist group? And if that's not enough, if that weren't enough by itself, right, then you have that little handheld device that's stuck in your pocket, buzzing and beeping and making noise, telling you that, that you have mail and that you have, you know, three Facebook likes and 19 text messages, two voicemails, right, and four Snapchats. And it seems like every time you get started working or doing something, right, that little device is making some kind of noise or notification, right, and you're, and you're having to constantly check it. We're so distracted even at work. And we're distracted when we drive. I mean, it's so much so that they had to make laws about this. I mean, April is officially Distracted Driving Awareness Month, right? And, 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 and not only is everybody else in the car, like, in their own little world, on their own little screen, because nobody talks anymore, right? We drivers get in on the action, too. And you have to admit it, right? Because you have answered the phone before, while you're driving. And I'm not talking about hands-free. I mean like swiping, put it to your ear, the whole bit, right? And not only that, you've probably checked your text messages and answered them while you're driving, right? And you've probably even checked your Facebook feed while you're driving. And some of you I know have done Google searches while you're driving. Find me the nearest in and out please, right? Yeah. 
And the worst part, the worst part is you've done all of that when somebody was sitting in the passenger seat who said, I can help you with that. And you're like, no, I got it. Right? Yeah. We're distracted when we're driving. And we're also distracted when we worship. Right? This is kind of what the text is about today. But I've seen it in this room. We've, we've been here in this room where the purpose is to come. And, and the reason why we sing is we lift our voices to God. We want to come into his presence and proclaim our love for him. And to get our heads focused and our hearts focused on him. And somebody's like having a full-on conversation. You know, like they couldn't wait just a little bit longer to go outside and talk to somebody. They, had to, they have to talk during the middle of worship, distracting everyone around them. And it's not just that. There are people sometimes who will sit during the preaching of the word on their phone and they, will, and, and they will be on social media or playing games, right? And it's not just kids. It's adults too, right? That happens during worship. And heaven forbid, you know, the pastor ever go a little bit long, right? I get reminded of that sometimes. Hey, you know that sermon was a little long today, you know? And, and understand, believe me, I get it. You know, I, I've been there. I mean, I sat right there in that chair, you know, uh, a number of times while well, Tom was preaching and I'm trying to secretly get on my phone to check the football scores during football season, right? I mean, I, I get it, right? We are, we are a very distracted and a very distractible people. We live in a crazy, busy world, right? And, and, and we, we're surrounded by a bazillion things that are screaming for our attention, Right? And so it seems like it's kind of normal almost to be distracted. It seems normal to be scatterbrained. It seems normal to really have a short attention span. It seems normal to get bored after like three minutes. Right? And, and to make it worse, we seem to have bought into a lie. And, and the lie is that we, that we can multitask. Right? Like that we can do two things at once or three things at once. Right? You know, and, and, and for the most part, our culture seems to embrace this notion that we must always be doing simultaneously multiple things. But it's a lie. You cannot effectively multitask. I mean, you might be able to listen to a book and drive like, like on Audible and then go to town, right? But you are not going to be able to, um, to sit and watch TV and do your homework effectively, right? It's not going to happen. You might be able to listen to a lecture or a sermon while you're on your morning walk, but you're not going to be able to do a Bible study, and play video games at the same time, right? And you're certainly not going to have a meaningful conversation with a person that's in the room with you while you're on your social media feeds. You can't do both things at one time. Multitasking, for the most part, is a lie. You cannot multitask too many things at once. And, and, and believe me, if you can do two things at once, that's great. But you're not doing both of them very well. So, so we're... So we're all very scatterbrained and we're all very distracted, right? And it's kind of become normal for us. Like one day I was at home watching television, right? And, and while I'm watching TV, I, I realize I'm like sitting here halfway paying attention to the TV and I'm on my, my phone doing this number, right? And I look around the room and everybody else is doing the same thing. I'm like, this is stupid, Right? I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be watching TV or doing this, but not both. And so I thought, okay, I'll just put this down. And so I'm trying to pay attention. And then within five minutes, I'm like this. It's back in my hand. I'm like, how did it get there? Right? And you know what I'm talking about? We all experience kind of the same thing. We're all becoming more and more distracted. And it's not just the technology. It's not just the devices. Right? And it's not just social media. It, it, you know, it's work. Work encroaches on our personal life more and more, right? Politics. Oh, my goodness. If there's something that can distract us, right, it's politics. And it's also the things that we worry about. It's money and it's hobbies and all the activities of our families that they're involved in. It can even be really even good things like our volunteering and communities, you know, stuff and even service. You know, we have more to do in a day than can be done, most of us wake up with a to-do list that's just not going to go away. And we're running around like chickens with our, our heads proverbially knocked off, you know. And we're exhausted and stressed out. And, you know, we're always thinking like, man, I wish I just could slow down a little bit. I wish I just had a little more time. I wish I wasn't so busy all the time. But we're all very busy. And we're all very distracted because of it. And the troubling part is we pay a terrible, terrible price for, for being so distracted. Because the things that we tend to be distracted from the most are usually the things that we should be giving the most attention to. Right? Or at least the proper amount of attention to. In fact, let me ask you a question. 
my show of hands. How many of you feel like you have more to do than you can do in any given day? Right? All right. Or that you, you know, how about, you know, that you feel like you never have enough time. Like every day just seems like to be running out on you. Okay. I, I personally identify with that. All right. How about, how about this? How many of you have smartphones? Like, okay. Just about everybody has a smartphone. Um, even the, even the, those of us that are dumb have smartphones. Um, and, and the thing is, is what we, you know, what, what, what we realize or realize it or not that this, the smartphone is a technological power that's in your hands. You have more technological power in your hands, more information in your hands than anybody in all of recorded human history combined to this point. You have more information in the palm of your hands than all the libraries that ever contained in all of human history before Hand. And these devices, right, these devices are supposed to make us more productive, right? They're supposed to help us get more done. They're supposed to help us to be more connected, right? How many of you use text messaging? Okay. I know, like Richard doesn't, but that's okay. <laughs> How many of you check your social media at least one time a day? Okay. Two times a day. Five times a day. Continually throughout the day. All right. Yeah, some of you, all right? How many of you, now, uh, here's, the, here's the tricky one, okay? It's okay to admit this. How many of you check your phone right before you go to bed? Like right before you go to sleep. You're going to lay down, you check your phone, and then you lay it down. Okay, all right. How many of you, like when you wake up, what's the, it's like one of the first things that you do is you actually pick up your phone and you look at your phone. You, you check your news feeds and your messages and things like that, okay? All right. How many of you watch at least one hour of TV a day? All right. Think about this. Okay. How many of you have read through the entire Bible in your lifetime? Okay. A number of you. That's good. All right. How about this? How many of you read the Bible at least one chapter every single day? Okay. A few of you. How many of you not only read the Bible every day, but then you meditate on the scriptures? Like you take time and you, you, you spend, all right. How many of you actually like take and do Bible studies where you're taking the word apart and you're dissecting it, you're really digging in, you know, and trying to glean what God's, you know, trying to communicate with you, okay? How many of you then have a regular personal prayer time with God and meals don't count, okay? Because anytime you put something in your mouth, you should be praying. That's an automatic Christian thing. That didn't even count towards your prayer life, right? That just should be done, right? And, and, and your whole like, Heavenly Father, thank you. Like right before you go to sleep, that, that doesn't count either because you never get all the way through that. I mean, but actually like a deliberate sitting, sitting some, some time aside to get, get alone with God, to meet with him, to spend time with him, li- listening to him and talking to him, building a relationship. with How many of you spend every single day a little time with God that way? Okay, a few of you. You see, the thing is, is that's pretty consistent is there are always a few, right? But the problem is it's not... It's not the norm for, for, for us Christians, right? It's not that we don't have time for God. It's that we're just, many of us are too distracted for God. The fact of the matter is that we are so distracted by everything else around us, right? We let ourselves believe that we don't have time, right? But brothers and sisters, let me tell you very plainly, you don't have enough time not to spend time with God. Let me say that again. You don't have enough time not to spend time with God because your relationship with God is the most important relationship in your life. More important than your grandma. Okay? More important than your children. More important than your spouse. More important than any other relationship with your life. Right? God is the most important component to your life. He's the most important person and idea in the universe as we've talked about. Right? And as we, as we talked about recently, you were created to live in an intimate, up-close relationship with him. You have a God-shaped hole in your heart, and nothing in the world is going to fill it. Nothing in the world is going to give you the joy and satisfaction that you need and deeply desire the way that God will. Without God, you will simply be an empty, be, your life will be an empty pursuit that will leave you needy, broken, and vain because you were created to have a relationship with with him. You were created to be connected to him. And if you understand the gospel, you realize there was a point in your life before you trusted in Christ that you didn't even have a choice. 
Right? You were separated from God because of your sin. You couldn't have a relationship with God, even if you wanted to, because you were a broken sinner. But then you, re- but then you heard the news that Christ died in your place and took away your sin and gave you the righteousness that you need to, have a, to be close to God again. And so through faith in Jesus, you now have the ability to live, in a, live a fruitful, life-giving relationship with God, one that you were created for. Christ literally tore down the barrier. We, we sang this morning that, that he, the, the veil was torn. He literally tore down the barrier between you and God. But so many of us are so distracted. We don't live fruitfully in this up-close, personal relationship with God. We live these down, you know, up-and-down, chaotic kind of lives. Everything's always distracting us. And it's a tragedy in our lives. Because when we become distracted, when we become disconnected in our everyday life from God, all kinds of things begin to go sideways in our lives. And we experience all kinds of negative consequences when we're distracted and disconnected from God. And I just want to just briefly mention just a a few. There's actually three basic categories. The first one, when we become distracted from God is we lose sight of Christ. And this is really, really important because when we lose sight of Christ, we lose sight of the gospel. And I don't know about you, but I can't afford to lose sight of the gospel. I already struggle with the fact that I am a broken sinner. I already struggle with feeling inadequate. I already struggle with the fact that I am prone to make mistakes and I'm prone to wander. It is the gospel that reminds me that I am loved by God, not because of what I do for him. I am loved by God in spite of what I do. J.D. Greer, who's a pastor in North Carolina, says, nothing I can do will make God love me any more, and nothing I can do will make God love me any less. And that's a truth that I need. As Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. That's the truth I need to remind myself of over and over and over and over and over. It's a truth that you need to remind yourself of every single day. Because if you lose sight of that, if you lose sight of the gospel, you will begin to slowly think that God's love for you is about how you live your life and what you can do for him. It's inevitable. We are performance-based. We are wired to judge every part of our life by our performance. And because of that, you will begin to believe, at least subconsciously, that God's approval of you is conditional upon your efforts. And that will either make you hyper-legalistic, where you're constantly trying to obey rules to make God love you, or it will make you fatalistic, because if you're like me, you will be constantly aware of your shortcomings and think, what's the point? Right? I'm never going to make God love me. Right? I am never going to be good enough. Right? Being distracted from God can cause you to lose sight of Christ and the gospel. It also can, can being distracted from God can cause, cause us to start trying to live our lives and direct our lives in our own strength. We will begin to try to live in our own power. We try to solve our own problems. We try to make all of our own decisions. We try to deal with life on our own terms. We tend to forget that God is there for us and with us. I mean, I think all of us have done things or made decisions or tried to fix things, right? And have them blow up on our face. And then remember, I didn't even pray about that. I didn't even take the time to talk to God about that. No wonder it didn't work out. You see, it's just foolishness because the truth is God has promised to be with us. He has promised to guide us. He's promised to give us wisdom. James in chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 5 says that we are, he basically encourages us, if you, any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. If you need wisdom, you don't try to figure it out on your own, you go to God. Proverbs 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 5 tells us that trust in the Lord with all your heart, And do not lean on your own understanding because our own understanding is prone to fail. And not to mention that because you're in a relationship with God, you have been given access to the one who has all the power. Every bit of it. You've been given access to the one who knows all the answers, every single one of them. 
You've been given access to the one who has the ability to help in every possible conceivable situation. But when we get distracted from God, we begin to ignore that. We begin to live our life like he's not even there, living life in our own strength. And worse than that, being distracted from God leads to trials. When we're distracted from God, we're in effect separated from him. When our eyes are off of him, right, we become distant from him little by little. And this leads to all kinds of things like sin and temptation. As the apostle Peter tells us, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Sin and temptation is always around the corner. And we are continually being hunted by our enemy. And when we're distracted from God, we are in essence isolating ourselves from God's protection. And it makes us easy prey for sin and temptation to come. Not to mention when we're separated from God, there are missed opportunities because God has opportunities for us when we're close to him that we don't see when we're away from him. And there's missed blessings because there are certain blessings you're going to experience in your life that you're not going to have unless you're actually spending time with God. Right? And when you're separated from God, you tend to experience more fear and worry and anxiety and you experience less peace and joy and comfort. The thing is, when I talk to people about their struggles, when they talk about fear and worry, I always ask the same question. When people ask, you know, if you come to me for counseling, just know I'm going to ask you the same question, okay? First question is, how's your time with God? Right? And I can promise you, right? It's almost always the same, right? It's almost always universal. Those who experience the greatest joy, peace, and comfort spend time with God. Those who experience the most fear, worry, and anxiety are generally the ones who are distracted from God. It's not always, but it's generally the truth. This Life of distraction can have huge negative consequences in our relationships, including our families. Being distracted can hurt our families. Being distracted can hurt our relationship with our friends, but especially is hurtful and harmful to our relationship with God. It's our most important relationship. So what do we do? How do we overcome all these diversions and distractions? How do we silence all the noises and the voices and the beeping and the buzzing and all the things that are drawing our attention away from God. Well, that's actually the point of this series. In the next few weeks, we're going to explore in the Bible four areas of our life that we tend to be distracted, right, from our relationship with God. And then we're going to talk about four biblical solutions that will help us to overcome all the chaos and the diversions in our life so that you can concentrate on and grow in this life-giving, up-close, intimate relationship that you have, have been given by God. And where I want to begin today is it's not so much with all the negative things. Those are the easy ones to identify, right? I mean, there's a lot of negative distractions out there. But instead, what I want to do is I want to talk about the good things, the good things that can be distractions in our lives. Because the truth be told, a lot of what keeps us busy and distracted in our relationship with God are, are really things that in and of themselves are important, right? They're good things, things that, need, that, that we need to pay attention to. Things that we need to focus on at times. But they're things that, that begin to take too much priority over important th- other important things in our lives if we let them. And we see this very thing happening in this story here of Mary and Martha in chapter, Luke chapter 10. In fact, let's look at this again. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him to her house. Now, Martha, she was a woman who, um, who became very close friends with Jesus, right? You have to realize this is an important component to their relationship. She and her sister Mary and her brother Lazarus were not simply admirers of Jesus. They were not simply just followers of Jesus. They weren't simply people that said, I saw him one time speak. Oh, I saw him do No, he was their pers- personal close friend, right? Jesus knew them. And when Jesus came into their town, he always made a point to come and visit and spend time with them, right? And so he comes to the town, to the village, and Martha welcomes, welcomes him into their home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. 
So Jesus, when he comes to visit, he's not there just to talk about, hey, what's going on? How's the family? He's there to preach the gospel. He's there to teach them about the kingdom of God and how to live in it. And Martha's sister Mary, you know, she was sitting there listening intently, you know, taking it in. But Martha was distracted. Notice the word. It's important. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. And when it comes to to studying the Bible and its text, sometimes you can spend a lot of lot of work trying to figure out what the text is trying to tell you. Like you have to spend a lot of time really developing the context. This is not one of those texts that you need to do that. This is pretty much on the surface. The, the, the issue that's being addressed here is right there for us to grab hold of. Okay, it's pretty simple. Jesus comes over to visit his friend. One of them gets busy working, preparing a big meal, which was appropriate for the culture. That's what the people had kind of expected When the guest of honor arrived, you were kind of expected to provide them a meal, the best possible meal that you could, right? You were supposed to make them feel welcome and honored. So one sister gets busy cooking and the other one gets busy sitting, you know, at the feet of Jesus. Now she probably helped, right? But she probably wasn't helping all the way. She was, she was trying to spend as much time with Jesus as she could, right? And so this one sister who's cooking is mad, right? She's in the kitchen slaving away, working hard to prepare this fine meal for her guests. And her sister's not helping, or at least it's not the way that that, that she wants. I think we kind of know a little bit what this is like. You know, you have this project, whether it's church or or at home or something, right? And and that needs to get done. And people have volunteered and promised to help, right? And then you end up getting there the day of the work day and you're like, they don't show up, right? It's pretty irritating, or like the worst case scenario is like, you know, helping someone move, right? You volunteer. All right, I'll help you move. And then you get there and nobody else showed up, right? It's frustrating, right? When you have all that work to do and you just feel like it's never going to get done. Well, that's where Martha is. She's irritated because well, she's doing what she believes needs to be done, right? And so she's upset that her sister's not helping her. And I need you to hear me on this. Martha cooking a meal is a good thing, right? It's not a bad thing. It's, it's a thing that, that should be done. Guests need to be fed. And Martha wanting to honor Jesus as her guest, right, with a nice meal is a good thing, right? Her desire to serve Jesus to the best of her abilities is a good thing. What she was doing culturally is right. It was expected, right? But, but notice how Jesus responds to her complaint. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You were anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Or in other words, Martha. Martha, you are so distracted by lots of little details right now. You're worried about the food and the decorations and the appetizers and the place settings. And you're worried about if the food's going to taste right or if it's going to be served too cold, if there's going to be enough to go around, right? And you're all worked up. But Martha, you're distracted by a lot of things. And these are good things, right? But really, only one thing is important right now. In this moment, only one thing is important. And your sister figured it out. I mean, what you're doing is good, right? But in this moment, at this particular time, in this moment, there's only, you know, all these other things are distracting you. From really what's important, which is time with me. Your sister figured it out. I'm not going to take that away from her. She understands she should spend time with me. Because that's exactly what's happening here. Jesus came to spend time with them. He came to be in this up-close personal relationship with these people. right? He came to love them and to teach them and encourage them and to build them up and strengthen them in their faith. The only way God himself can do. And Martha is in the kitchen worried about dinner. See the problem here? Now, don't get me wrong. Dinner is important. Right? Dinner is good. 
right? But Martha is worried about feeding stomachs, which doesn't last. Mary is sitting there at the feet of Jesus, feeding her soul, which lasts forever. You see, it's not a matter of what is good. It's a matter of priorities. What is the best good at this moment? What is the best good thing I can be doing in this moment? That's the question. The priority for Mary as Jesus came in is Jesus is here. I'm going to spend as much time with him as I possibly can. The priority for Martha is Jesus is here. I better get to work. So he's happy with me with the dinner I make for him. You see the difference? These are both good things, right? Making dinner is good. It's just that spending time with Jesus is, is better. Jesus was there in the moment teaching and encouraging, and he, and, and he wouldn't always be there. So both of these women had a choice to make. Do I sit here and soak up the time and spend time with Jesus at his feet, or do I get busy doing something else that I think is important? That was the choice. And in Christians... Every day we have the same exact choice. Do we spend time with Jesus or do we spend time doing something else that we think is important? And unfortunately, most of us, many of us, are choosing to do something else. We don't choose to sit at the feet of Jesus. We choose to do something else that seems important to us. And it's not that we're choosing bad things. I want you to hear me on this. Okay? We're choosing good things, important things, things that need to be done. Things that are really, by themselves, God-honoring, like work. You know, people will say, I don't have the time to do that because I have to work. I have to go to work early. I have to work late. And don't get me wrong, right? Work's an important part of life, right? Like, we all need to work. We all need to provide for our families, it is, God's, it is not God's plan for people to be idle. It is not God's plan for people to sit around. It is God's plan for us all to work, to be self-sufficient. Work is good. It gives us direction in our lives. It keeps us busy. It gives our days purpose. It gives us a sense of self-worth. Everyone should work. That's what we were built for. All you have to do is read Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and you will see. That's what we were designed for. But many of us have a tendency to give work too much priority. I'm a recovering workaholic, kind of an expert on this subject. We spend too much time working or thinking about work. In fact, recently I found myself in my own life hustling to get down here to the office earlier and earlier so I can get some things done, but then not, tried not, to, then not taking the time to get alone with God and pray the way that I should because I felt like I got to get, get to work. I got to get done. I got this thing. I got that thing. My list is overflowing. And not to mention... You know, I, I'm justifying it in my mind, right? Because why? I'm working for God, right? It's important. But it's not more important than me taking the time to sit at the feet of Jesus alone with him. Not to mention, it's just foolish for me to try to do all this in my own strength anyway. I can't do it. So, we, so, so work can be a distraction. But also, so can school and homework. School and homework are good. Your education is important. We all need to learn to read and do math and except like common core, but that's a different story. But um, we all need to read and do math and think critically and learn about history and science and philosophy, probably more philosophy than, than what gets taught in schools. But education is critically important, right? I spent the last six years of my life as a, as a student, right? But, but I have asked many students in my youth group, have you spent time in prayer? Have you spent time in church? Have you spent time in the word? And they will say, oh, school and homework. I just don't have time. I got to study. I got to get good grades. School's important. And I agree, school's important. But it's not more important than your relationship with God. Another area that can be, a good, that can be good, but it's a distraction, is sports and practice, right? Just about every family I know has kids that are in gymnastics or sports or some kind of activity that requires extra, extra time like pageants and dirt biking. I mean, my kids are always on the go. Yesterday, we were in, in uh, Rosemond. You know, Carson's got a baseball game. Today, McKaylee's not even here, uh, and she normally sings with us because she's at a pageant in Mojave. And in fact, as soon as I'm done here, I've got to hustle right over there, take Carson down there, 
right? To be, uh, to be there with her, right? And, and these are, and understand, these are good things. These activities are actually good for our kids. They build character in them. They strengthen their bodies. They teach them about hard work and discipline and commitment. And they're fun for the kids. It helps them to grow. And, and as parents, it helps us to connect with our kids. But if there's something that can take a lot of extra priority, it's this area right here. Oh, yeah, we can't come to church because our kid plays travel ball and they play every Sunday. So your kids are going to make the major leagues? You're not worried about their soul. Okay. Right? Well, we can't come to church because my, my kids have a meet or a competition or a race, you know. Or, well, I just don't have enough time to spend with God because I got homework, I got practice, and I got a job, and I got this. And right? I'm, I'm just so busy. Practice and sports can, are definitely good, but they can certainly take up a lot of extra time. And it's the same with hobbies and activities. I mean, you know me, right? If there's anything that, that I like to do, it's to go fishing, right? I love to fish. There are times I wish that, you know, we didn't like have to worry about bathrooms in my house, but just dig a pond in the backyard, you know what I mean? So I can just go fishing anytime I want to, right? And it's the same with many of you. You guys have things that you like to do, activities that are important to you. Camping, fishing, shooting, you know, playing bingo, woodworking, gardening, playing video games. We all have interests in things that, that, are, that are important to us. And these are good things. But if we're not careful, they can fill in all the extra spare time that we have after work and sports and school. And these things can come to a point that we physically have no time for anything else. And then finally... The other thing that can distract us from God, surprisingly, is serving in ministry. And believe me, I think everybody should be involved in the church. I think it's good to be involved in the church. I believe it's good to be involved in the work of the Lord. I think it's good to serve the church and the community that you're in for Christ. But not at the expense of time with him, which many of us get caught up in. We're busy serving the Lord so busy serving the Lord, we don't spend time with the Lord, right? That's what's happening here. Martha's so busy serving Jesus, she don't have time to spend with Jesus. And she's mad at her sister for not helping. And believe me, we can all be like that. I can be like that. I've personally had to make a decision in this last year to be less involved in some things in the community that I felt that were my part of my service to God and part of my service to my fellow man. But, but as, but what I found was, is I was doing a lot of good things, but I was also losing time to do better things. I was so busy doing good things that, 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 that I, I, I should have been spending more time, you know, with, you know, my wife and kids, right? Spending more time in meaningful prayer and meditation and deep Bible study with God. I felt I was so busy. I couldn't quite right sit down and just be quiet in the moment, right? That I had to be thinking and doing and planning and on the phone and checking on things. And I know that many of you struggle the same way. Now, maybe it's not service for you. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your, your, your sports, or maybe it's all of them, but don't get me wrong, right? These are, these are important things, good things, right? Things that, that you should do. You see, it's, it's not that we don't choose good things, we just don't always choose the best good thing in the moment. And that's what's happening here in the story. Martha is choosing something that's good, but not the best good. Should Martha make dinner for her guests? Yes, right? But not at the expense of personal time with Christ. Not at the expense of letting him feed her soul. She should have said, hey, I'm not making dinner right now. We're going to wait because I want to spend time with Jesus. I want to hear what he has to say. Or she could have said, hey, you know what? I'm not making dinner. We're making sandwiches. We're going to go easy, right? I'm not going to spend four hours in the kitchen, right? Right? So that I can miss out on this. I need to spend time with Jesus. And guess what? If people would have complained, Jesus would have stood up and defended her too, the way that he defended her sister. And it's the same with us. The time that we spend at the feet of Jesus is not wasted time. It's important time. It's vital time. We can choose to prioritize our activities and our time so that we can have this important time with God. So that we don't miss the connection, right? So we don't miss it on the blessings and the opportunities he presents us. So we don't get distant from him and walk in our own strength and wisdom, becoming vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. 
we too can prioritize and choose to regularly sit at the feet of Jesus, soaking in all that he has for us, letting him pour into our lives, letting him strengthen us and encourage us, giving us direction, hope, and satisfaction. We can spend time with Jesus as he feeds our souls and nourishes our spirits and prepares us to live the victorious life that he calls us to live. We absolutely can do that if we would do that. We can choose to be more like Mary when it comes to being near Jesus, which then leads to the question, how? How do I prioritize my time with God? I mean, in light of everything I have to do, how am I going to every day spend time at the feet of Jesus? Well, that's exactly what this series is about. And we have a lot to talk about in the, in the coming weeks with respect to this. And I'd invite you to make sure that you're here for every part of this series because in the coming weeks, we're going to talk more about the practical stuff, the things that you can do practically in your life so that you're not so distracted by this world from God. And today, I just want to give you the foundation, right? I want to lay the foundation for you and give you something where you can stand on, kind of help you get your feet, so to speak, underneath you so that you can actually take action in this. Not just hear this, but actually take action and do what you need to do to make sure that you're making God the priority that he needs to be in your life. And so your homework for this week really it comes down to two things. And, and, and hear me, all right? What I'm about to share with you, though very simple, has the power to change your life. And I'm not overstating um, that at all. If you will do what I'm about to ask you to do, your life will change for the better. You will grow closer to God. You will find greater strength in God. You will experience greater joy, hope, and satisfaction with God. That is a promise, right? That's what awaits you if you will do what I ask. And, and, and if you're willing to, to do so, you're actually going to be able to still work and go to school and do sports and have your hobbies and serve God and all kinds of other things as well. You will have time for it all if you will do what I'm suggesting here. So if that promise is true, are you interested Okay, then here is the assignment. What you need to do before you leave this room is you need to decide two things. You need to decide on, number one, a time, and number two, a place. That's what you absolutely need to decide to do. You need to pick a time and a place to get alone with God and at the feet of Jesus. And I know that you might think, well, that's really simplistic, Sherman. I know, but usually the greatest solutions are, right? But this is what you need to do. You need to make a daily appointment with God, an appointment that has priority over everything else, an appointment that you will not miss. There are certain appointments in your life you just don't miss. There are certain things that you make a priority to do. This needs to be one of them. You need to pick a time and a place to be with God every day. Every day. You need to choose to sit at the feet of Jesus rather than something else. And the good news is that you don't have to wait for Jesus to come to your house at a certain time and then have to work around his schedule, right? Jesus is always with you and he's ready to spend time with you at any point you choose, at the time that's most convenient for you individually, which means you don't have an excuse. Because somewhere in the 24-hour day, you can find 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes to get alone in a quiet place and spend some time at the feet of Jesus. You can do it. You must do it. Now, the reason why we pick a time and place is the same reason why we tithe. Okay? We tithe a percentage of our income because we know if we don't consciously decide ahead of time to set a percentage of our earnings aside, that money will get spent. Because that's just the way money is, right? If we don't set it aside, right, life's going to get busy, and next thing you know, we're going to spend it. And there's not going to be anything left to give back to God. Tithing is a mechanism where we choose ahead of time, Lord, here's a percentage of my income. It's already spoken for. I'm going to give it to you before everything else. I am appointing this amount of money to you, Lord. That way, I don't get so busy that I spend it on other things. 
It's the same principle here. Same thing with time. Lord, here's the time I'm going to meet with you. Here's the place I'm going to meet with you consciously. Meet with you every day. Because I want to spend time with you. I want to grow my relationship with you. I want to know you more. I want to be filled up with your wisdom and strength. This is the time of the day. I will be here. Because I don't want to get busy. And suddenly come to the end of the day and realize, I didn't pray today. I didn't read my Bible today. I didn't, I ran out of time. I want to be here with you. That's why we do it. That's why it's important. The way that you keep the distractions of the world from drowning out the voice of God, the way that you keep all these things from causing you to lose sight of Jesus is to deliberately pick a time, a place ahead of time to meet with God and you protect it at all costs. It's that important. Now, your time can be in the morning when you get up. Maybe you get up a little bit extra early so you can work this in. Maybe you're like, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to get up extra early. So then maybe it's lunchtime is your time, right? Maybe early afternoon after work, right? Maybe a little bit later, right? Or maybe right before you go to bed that you take an hour, you know, and you carve that time out, right? Now, I personally recommend mornings because... It's the beginning of the day. I want to be with God and spend time with him before I face everything else in the world. And so your, your time can be whatever you pick. And the place can be anywhere you want it to be. Your home, your office, the break room at work, the library, or your car. It just needs to be a place where you can have some peace and quiet and there's no distraction. That's the key. And you might want to turn off your cell phone. Now, for me, during work, like the, the, during the work week, the place that I meet with God is my office. I try to get in my office a little early. That way it's quiet, right? And when I get to my office, before I do anything else, I sit in the chair opposite of my desk. I don't go sit in my desk chair because at my desk chair, I suddenly start working, right? So I sit in the, the chair opposite of my desk. I quiet my mind. I spend the first part of my day with the Lord there. You know, and, 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 it's, and I want you to know, like, I have to intentionally do this because like a little secret, like Saturday morning, you know, Carson's got a baseball game, which means I have less time to do what I need to do. And my temptation is, is go, okay, Lord, let's make this a quick prayer so I can get to work. Are you kidding me? I'm talking about distraction this week, right? So I have to focus and protect that time too, right? When I'm working, that's my time of day. When I'm not working, my time is when I wake up, you know, on, on Monday mornings or Tuesdays. And then I usually sit at the dining room table because it's quiet in there. And I pray and spend time with God. That's my way and time to spend at the feet of Jesus. I know that your life is like mine. It's busy, right? But we need to be with Jesus every single day. So make an appointment and pick a place. Right? And here's the thing. Okay? Don't let this be like one of those moments where you walk out and go, oh, wow, that sermon really spoke to me. And then six months later, you don't even remember what I said. Right? right? Write it down. Right? Write it down. Put it on your calendar. In fact, take that little electronic device of yours and put it on your calendar as a reoccurring appointment. Set the alarm. Set the reminder. And here's the thing then. Okay? This is the most important part. Do it. Right? I don't want to go, you know, Shia LaBeouf on you right now, okay? But do it, all right? Don't make excuses. Do it, right? Don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word also, right? Write it down, put it on your calendar, and make a point to begin this week to sit at the feet of Jesus. Your life will be better as a result. Let me pray for you. Father, sometimes the simplest solutions seem to be the hardest ones to, to put into place. But they're also the, the ones that, that, that give us the most traction and, the, and they're the most effective. Father, I pray that you would put it in all of our hearts to walk with you today and to concentrate on our relationship with you. Let us put this in perspective and remember who you are and who we are. We're broken people who have no relationship at all with you, except that you chose to love us. Hopeless, Lord. 
And you've chose to redeem us and strengthen us and, and, and encourage us and provide for us. How do we, Lord, get so sideways we can't spend time with you? I pray that all of our hearts would be moved to spend time with you. All of our hearts would be, would be to decide this is what we do. Every day I spend time with the Lord. Come what may. Every day I'm in prayer. Every day I'm in the word. Every day I'm connecting with Jesus. Lord, make that the mission of our hearts, Lord. Use this to change us into the people that you want us to be. That we can live in, with a hope that, that, that you've called us to. We can live with the peace that you've promised us. And we can be the effective people that you're calling us to be for the gospel. That we would meditate on your word and be transformed by it and then go out into the world and share the hope of Christ with a dying world. We have friends and family members that are, that are dying and going to hell because we're afraid to talk to them. Lord, help us to spend time with you so we're bold in that. Help us to share the hope that we have with the rest of the world. Father, I pray your blessing over all that are here and I pray that you'd meet everyone in their individual needs and that when they come to you in that time that you would bless them, Lord, and they would feel your presence brand new, Lord God, and you would shape them and change them into the image of your son and you'd be glorified in all that we say and do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And please consider partnering with us financially as we share the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ with our community and with the world.